Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today is a great episode, really, really helpful for kind of a mindset episode. I think that was down a rabbit hole that we didn't, neither of us really thought we'd end up going down. But today's episode is with the amazing Harriet Harper. So Harriet is an online coach based over in London, over in the UK. And I've been following Harriet for a while and she talks in a lot of a lot of sense, kind of a no-nonsense approach, which is kind of uh, refreshing. And today's episode is a lot of mindset stuff. And we kind of talk about from going from being made redundant to building the career and building the company that she has now. We also talk about dealing with impatience. We talk about that you don't need to train six days a week in order to get to your goal. You also talk about getting away from that quick fix we also talk about kind of like the elements of what to actually look for in a coach in order to to kind of get you to your goal and kind of like questions and all that kind of stuff to actually ask we also talk about kind of the fitness industry turnoffs that harriet has kind of spotted and things to spot out for and then one of the big things we talk about towards the end which could easily go down a rabbit hole was in relation to the importance of curating your own feed and having that responsibility for yourself of knowing what you're intaking into your own space and having the sense of kind of like of knowing what you're taking into your sphere and your realm and your ecosystem about how that actually impacts on your mood so it's really open honest chat and i'm delighted to have had harriet on so if you want to kind of give harriet a follow on social media it's Harriet Harper underscore fitness on Instagram. And if you want to head over and apply for coaching, either pop her DM or if you want to head over to her website, harrietharperfitness.com, then you can apply for coaching there as well. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it. It's open. It's honest. It's raw. There's some things that I think needed to be said. And I think there's things that kind of are going to hit home for an awful lot of people. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Harriet Harper. Harriet, how are we? very well how are you very good uh harriet thank you so much for doing this i know uh, we had to kind of like get you to chill a little bit beforehand in your seating position bottle of wine sat on the floor no no wine uh yes yeah, sat on the floor first podcast though thank I'm you i'm surprised it's your first po- podcast though that's why we were talking about that off air i was really surprised well, it was your first podcast. after this i'll be booked and busy <laughs> what <laughs> um you'll be, yeah. be on graham norton next Oh, hope so. Or Alan Carr. That's the girl. Alan Carr. Yeah, chatty man. Uh, so, Harry, I'm going to get you to, we were kind of chatting off air informally anyway. So, I'm going to get you to talk about your journey and kind of, how, kind of how you got into the fitness realm. Because I think what you said to me off air was, it's kind of interesting that it was kind of like a little bit out of your hands, but you kind of took it as an opportunity for yourself. I do think that's going to resonate with some people, uh, not only on kind of like a, personal point of view but i think in general so can you kind of talk about that a little bit sure i um do you want like from the top journey because it's a long one um like honestly many years ago i'm talking like mid-20s i went through a really shit part of my life i'm talking like proper breakdown i don't suffer with anything now so it's really hard to kind of look back at that a lot of anxiety, near depression. The doctors tried to offer me medication. I was just in a dark, dark, dark place. Had was in therapy, 
And my work gave me sabbatical, like a few weeks off, just said, take your time, you paid, just get yourself together. And I was like, what can I, I need something to focus on. And I'd always been kind of interested in fitness, didn't know much about it. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do a PT course. I don't know anything about it. Signed up to one and what was like, I just want to do it. I want to like, like get into it as soon as I can. So I took, used my holiday from work once a week to go to this course and learn how to be a PT um did it and I was like no I really enjoy this I think I could be good at this and then kind of qualified got a job in a studio and I was like I feel like I found my passion kind of thing got a job in a little studio um worked there kind of once a week had a couple of like little private clients but again didn't know much I'm talking like beginner level um and then just started to meet more and more people in the industry that I'd kind of loved on Instagram like obsessed over like you I'd think they were famous and I would I went to an event one day it was like a just a pub garden there were loads of them there and I was like oh my god all these people like people I follow like this is absolutely amazing like I'm in with them great not one of them asked how I was not one of them asked my name not one of them gave a shit they just were all talking about themselves and I literally remember going home that night to my mates who aren't in the fitness industry and being like, I'm just so glad you are my friends because I have just put all these people on a pedestal for so many years and wanted to be in with that Southwest London crowd of PTs. And I just went and met them and it just weren't for me. And then I just started finding the industry more and more vain and self-obsessed. And I was like, it's not for me. So I jacked it all up and I just went, just carried on doing what I was doing. I was still in a full-time job during all of this, corporate job. Um, oh yeah, I just hated it. Unfollowed a lot of people on Instagram, kept myself to myself for a couple of years. And then lockdown came. Um, at this point I was in, still in the job, in my job, corporate job in the city. So I worked, um, like office management, HR, uh, always kind of said to my friends, I just think I'm one of those girls that just doesn't have ambition. Like this is my life. Like I'm quite happy plodding along and like, it's nice. I get to come see you guys every day in the city and then lockdown came and I was made furloughed and I was bored out my fucking mind. Um, everyone kind of started coming out of the woodwork online training and PTs. And I was like, should I do something? And I, and I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity of furlough to just kind of relax a little bit. First, it's the only time in my life. No one knew what we were doing. No one, we'd got, no one, no one knew when we were going back to work. So I was like, I don't want to just start up something for the sake of it because what if I have to go back to work next week um and I remember speaking to someone I won't I won't name drop but he is the general reason why I where I am today um he was quite big in the industry still is quite big in the industry um kind of changed his path now um but he was like how's it look there are morons doing this and you are a good coach like just get yourself out there and he showed me like how to edit videos um he showed me like what I needed to do he kind of gave me advice um and he was like you're good and I think I just needed to hear someone be like yeah you can do it so I was like right what have I got to lose started filming videos in my bedroom and then started getting inquiries and then my following started going up a little bit and I was like okay this could work um and he put me in contact with Phil Graham you've obviously heard of Phil Graham who's a business mentor it was like, do his course, learn a bit about being an online coach. And I'd done one-to-one PT before, and I was kind of getting clients in lockdown who wanted to train outside. So I was doing that. I was outside in the cold 
from about 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. winter, like bleak winter. Um, Because I was like, I have to make this work now. Like, I love it. I have to make it work. So I did Phil Graham's course. Um, Some of it didn't finish it. But I felt like once I did some of it, I was like, right, I know how to do this. I know how to get online. And then I went online and it just went. And the rest is kind of history. I was made redundant. I took voluntary redundancy. It was between me and another girl. And at this point, I was making okay money. And I was like, look, if I need to temp, I've got like front of house experience. If I need money, I can go and temp in the hotel or something. Um, And the risk paid off. Um, And I didn't need to. And then it's just gone from strength to strength. And that is how I have gone from that to this. That's my I think the I think it's interesting, like in relate to what you said there about kind of meeting someone in the in the industry and kind of being pointed in a certain direction. I can relate to that with someone over here. Um there's a guy called Brian Keane over here. Um I heard him on a podcast once and I went to meet him and stuff, and he was in the gym that I was working in at the time. I met him and he was pointing me in the right direction. So I can kind of relate to what you said there about being pointed in a certain direction and kind of Phil Graham and stuff. Um, and Phil Graham knows his stuff. Like, If anyone ever reaches out now, I'm like, I will be happy to help you. Because yeah. I remember being in tears. It was like, is there, a, is there a secret here? Like I met other people as well who were quite big in the industry. And I was like, how do you get clients? Like, how do you get clients? That was like yeah. literally my question. Like, is there something I'm missing? And his response was like, oh, you just get them. You just go out and make it happen. And I went home and cried because I was like, am I missing something? To my friends, I was like, am I shit? Like, am I missing something? Like, what does he mean you just get them? I'm going to be out on the street, like, chatting to people. And I was so confused. So now when people reach out to me online being like, how do you do it? I'm just like, I will list and I will take the time to tell you how and the things that will help because I've been through it all. You don't just suddenly get clients coming up to you. No. Um, I, think that, I think that's a big thing in in our industry, um, in the fitness industry. I think it is a big misconception. I remember being on the gym floor as a PT and like talking to people or talking to people after classes or like walking around the gym, just talking to randomers, actually talking to people. And I think a lot of people just think that people are going to come up to you um, and be like, oh, please be my PT. I don't think that, I don't, that's not how it works. Too often you see... PTs like this on their phone doing a session. It genuinely drives me scat. Genuinely drives me mental. Um, but you took you took that opportunity, like you said, like you could have you're taking the opportunity now. To, you weren't happy or potentially in that previous career, and you kind of took it as an opportunity to say, right, I'm gonna make this work. And what you said there about kind of working in the park from those those crazy errors, you're like, I have to make this work. Yeah. Have you got any advice for anyone else in a similar position that is kind of like a little bit scared to make that that little jump or that big jump, should I say? Invest in education, invest in a business mentor. Like you, it may seem a lot of money to start investing in these things early doors, but ultimately it's going to make you better. So I'll be honest, I didn't finish Phil Graham's course. If he hears this, he'll be like, but it helped me understand what an online business even was. Like if you're clueless about something, invest in about learning more about it. So if you think, how do you know all this stuff about former PT, like invest in courses, like 
there's so many courses out there that can help you become a better PT. If you're scared about, if you don't know about marketing, get someone to help you. If you don't know about starting a business or where do you even start with online, there are courses for that. There are so many things that can help you now. And the longer you spend trying to figure it out yourself, that you're just wasting time and it will pay off. You've just got to kind of be willing to take the risk and also work your fucking bollocks off. Like, as I said, like I would get up at half five in the freezing cold. I remember putting on 17 layers and taking a hot water bottle outside. Outside was the only place we could train clients. And I was getting a fair few inquiries through Instagram at this point for one-to-one and kind of people in Fulham started, then you get referrals until someone will tell their friend. And I remember being absolutely freezing. I would carry 30 kilograms out onto the green of weights in the freezing cold and just be out there all day. And I, and people just think, oh, I'm just going to go online. I'm going to start posting on Instagram. And then all these clients are going to come. Like do your one-to-one first, because also that helps you learn about people and how people move and different people's issues and what different people want. Like you're never going to know how to train someone unless you train them one-to-one. But I don't think you necessarily need to do it for years. You just have to be clued up about it. Um, Yeah. Work your bollocks off and don't be, a lot of people want to start an online business, but are too scared to put themselves online. And I've had this conversation so many times in my DMs, like how do you put yourself out there? Like, if you want to start an online business, you've got to put yourself online. Instagram is one of the biggest free marketing places, tools out there. It is free to put your business on Instagram. Yet people are scared to. Like if you're going to start a business, where are you? Where do you want to put yourself then? Like if you're going to start somewhere, you may as well start somewhere it's free. Then you can move on to things, other things. But I just don't get why people aren't taking advantage of it, especially in lockdown when everyone's like, every, but everyone's doing it now. Yeah, so there's obviously a need, isn't there? If, if everyone's doing it and there's all these successful people coming out of it, like there's obviously a need for it. So get on it. And that kind of leads into and one of the questions I sent you over was in relation to the consistency side of things, because you're nothing but consistent with your Q&As. You're nothing but consistent with your own training. You're nothing but consistent with the content that you put out. But I think consistency is like an almost, it's the dirty C word, apart from the other one that a lot, a lot of people don't want to kind of talk about. Um, but how, why do people, you think, struggle with the consistency side of it? How do you kind of get people to kind of get around it when it comes to training, comes to their nutrition, comes to anything really? I think people... I think people think that you're either a consistent motivated person or you're not like, it's not true. I am not a motivated person. I am one of the laziest motherfuckers you'll ever know. Like if I'm on the sofa and have to go to the gym, ask my friends who I go to the gym with, it'll take me three hours to go to the gym. I'll be like, I'm going to be see you there at 12. They're like, yeah, that means three for Harriet. Cause I'll do everything I can to actually get off my ass and go. And I love it. It's part of my life. It's my job. I love the gym, but motivation and like consistency doesn't, doesn't just get given to you. I think if you if it's a priority to you, you you just fit it in and you make it happen. It doesn't have to be 10 hours a day. It can be an an hour a day, just as long as you do that. If you keep consistent with what it is you want to achieve, you're going to get there. The time's going to pass either way. And I think I was kind of saying to you before we went on air, like um, 
if you took a calendar of your life, this is what kind of changed the game to me. And say you took a calendar of a week and you ticked off in green every day you stayed consistent and every day you didn't. It's probably going to be four, maybe four out of seven. Yeah. So you're going to look at that and be like, fucking hell, nearly 50% of that week is just me being shit and me laying around, me not being consistent. But if you took that as like your entire life in a calendar and zoomed out, the majority of that is going to be green. Like, and that's going to make you see, now, hang on, I was consistent most of the time and it's paid off. It's got me to where I am now. And of course, everyone's going to have days where they're not. Of course, everyone's going to have down days. Like that is normal. And when clients come to me and like, I've had a shit week, right? So this is a lifetime change. This is a life goal we have. Like you're not just coming into a three-month coaching program and you're going to focus for three months and then off you go back to normal. So in the grand scheme of it, having an off week, it's not really not the end of the world. I will be the first to say to my clients and on Instagram and to everyone that asks me, I am lazy and I am not consistent. With my business, I am very consistent because that's my livelihood and I care a lot about it. But if I don't want to train one day, it's really, I really don't care. Like, I know I'm going to do it the next day or the next day. Like, skipping a training day or going off track of my macros, like, who's it killing? Like, I'm, I'm, all, I'm surviving, aren't I? And when you see coaches saying cheat meals and off days and things like that, and I look at them, I'm like, like, you, it is possible to get there without being consistent 100% of the time. It, it really is. You just have to make it a priority priority, 80% of the time. Like, have your off days. Yeah, yeah. I, because I think that the kind of like the, the fitness industry in us would say you need to be on it all the time. But I think when you realize and have been at that point, you're like, this is unsustainable. I'm going to burn out. And then you take a step back. You're like, no, I'm actually happy enough with three sessions a week rather than trying to do six sessions a week and not recovering. And you spoke about this recently. You were like, you don't need to do six sessions a week in order to get to your goal. Can you kind of elaborate that a little bit more? Yeah. I will be on it. Every client that signs up with me, I always say to them, I would rather you put on your form when you begin realistically what you can do a week. Because if you, if I get from them, I could do four, maybe five workouts a week. You're getting four. I'm not having a maybe. If you're saying you can do four, sometimes five, don't care. If you're going to be consistent with four, that's what you're getting. Cause I don't, that's what's going to keep you consistent. Um, if you are training, if you have a good coach who can program well, for example, and you are like, you don't need to be training six days a week, like four or five max. And a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people feel guilty for taking rest days. And this is another thing I said in my stories recently, like the whole muscles grow when they rest, like when you sleep and your muscles are not going to grow. If you're constantly battering the gym, your workouts are going to be shit because you're tired your energy levels are going to be low because you haven't had a rest day. Your muscles are going to be sore because you've smashed it every day. So really what you think is six or seven workouts is a very average four because you're not putting your all into it. I'd like, it's, it's hard for people to understand. I think because we were drilled into us like this. There's still so much out there of don't take a day off. And if you don't get up at 5am, you're going to fail. Like, Everyone is different and people 
forget that as well. What works for one person might not work for the other. I like training five days a week. I can fit it in. I have the luxury that I can go to the gym. I'm more than open about this. I can go to the gym any time of day. Like I work for myself. So for me to fit five days in is fine. And I'm a coach, so I know what to, I know only four or five work, five exercise per session is going to get me excellent results. So I trust that process. Whereas I get from so many people, this workout only took me 45 minutes. Do I need to do more after? No, you, no, you just need to be consistent with what you've given because you're trying to do too much too soon. And that is why you have come to me because you obviously haven't succeeded in that because you've done that and it hasn't worked. So put your trust in the process, strip it back and do something you're going to remain consistent with. Because Why do you think so many people are afraid to trust the process though? Time. Impatient. People are how do you get away that? How do you, how do you get away from impatience or how do you get someone away from impatience? Should I say? A lot of the time it's, I think I think I can relate to it a lot, but and I think I speak about it so much as in it didn't take me a month to get where I am. It took me years. So I think when I remind clients that I've been in your position, I'm not a new 22-year-old trainer who's got a sick body because I'm 22 and my metabolism is great. Like I've been where you are. I know how frustrating it is. Um I like I always remind my clients that my, a lot, especially women who want to build muscle, building muscle takes a lot longer than losing fat does. Okay, and it's the same with uh, the one I I heard from someone is with fat loss. If you walk ten miles into the woods, you've got to walk ten miles out. Like if it took you two years to put on that fat, it's gonna could take you two years to lose that fat. You've just got to kind of remind them of the science behind it as well, which is something that is coming better now online. I think it is you can get the answers to your questions science-based more now, whereas back in the day it was a lot more fad diets. Yeah, I think there's still an element of – I remember a conversation I'm, when I was over in London last weekend, like one of my mates was telling me, oh, I um, – what was the diet he said? It wasn't keto anyway, but it was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to have like a porridge for breakfast and then I'm going to have three chicken salads for the rest of the day and, and a protein bar. I'm kind of like, well, how has that worked for you previously? And he goes, well, I lost 10 kg. And I was like, okay. And he goes, yeah, but I put it back on 10 plus 10. I was like, so it hasn't worked is what you're saying. I was kind of like, well, that's a fat diet. You're trying to go for a quick approach again. And he's kind of like, well, would you do the same if you were going for your career or your college degree? you know your college degree is going to take you three or four years. So yeah, you put three to four years of work into it. And then the penny just dropped and he's like, no, I'm actually going to do this. So I think when people break it down, it's like you don't get your house or you don't get your your car, you don't get your money or your salary in in mass or kind of like short spurts. You get it at the end of each month. You know when you're going to get it because you're common, you're consistent throughout the month. Uh, I think there's an element of a lot of fear is built into people as well though of trying to get it 100 right yeah yeah it's honestly it's one of the hardest things with my check-ins in client with clients and it does break my heart and it's when they have down weeks or when they say do you think my calories are right because i'm not seeing any 
I'm not seeing the results I want to see. And it's one of the hardest things because, of course, you want your clients to see results, but I will never give you an unmanageable, unhealthy target. Um, I've never put anyone on under 1,600 calories. And I have clients that beg for it because they want to look a certain way for summer. And as a, it's, I just, it's, I wouldn't do it. I say to them, like, if, if you are in this long term, there is a reason you have come to a coach, isn't there? You don't just get fed up one day and hire a coach. You've been round in circles and there's a reason for it because it hasn't worked. What you've done before hasn't worked. And it's just heartbreaking. I only work with women seeing girls still be put on 1,200 calories from coaches and be like, I don't understand why it's not working. Um, But yeah, honestly, it's the reason I do what I do. But it is, yeah, heartbreaking when we've kind of been conditioned to believe it should take four weeks because of how diet culture was for us well I know yeah I mean I've even even when I did my PT course I was in the room and he said who here thinks carbs make you lose fat I put up my hand mortifying but I put up my hand and he was like why and I was like because I've done it before and I didn't have the science explained to me until then so I don't blame my clients for still thinking it because they haven't had the science explained to them until now either um, it's just something you've got to repeat. And if you're my client and if you're in this for a reason, then I will repeat it until I'm blue in the face. Um, and it's my job to just educate you on it. But it is heartbreaking to see how many people just think they can get quick results and they, that's all they want. I think the, 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 other, the, the other C word that you mentioned there is the filthy C word of carbohydrates. I think you need to kind of talk about why carbohydrates are actually your friend, not your enemy. Love carbs. I just like yes, like are they gonna make you feel a bit bloated if you binge on them? Sure, but they're great. Like they they taste great. I don't get why they think they of all the macros. Surely you're like the shitty ones that you don't actually fill you up, like your oils, right? Like surely if you're gonna cut something out, why why are you cutting out the good the yummy carbs like? just restrict all the slathery butter and oil you're putting on it because that's not actually filling up. This is something I say, like, no, don't cut out any food groups, but if you're trying to be smart about it and you're saying you're hungry, why are you cutting out the one food group that's going to help fill you up? Like it makes no sense. We love carbs. How, how do you work with someone then to try and get them away from that whole quick fix though? Because you like the, there's the likes, the, the slimming clubs are still out there. Um, yeah. And if you type, if I type into Dr. Google now and type in diet or how to lose weight quickly, there's going to be brands there at the top of my Google AdWords or Google adverts or whatever is coming up so quickly. How do you get someone away from that way of thinking? to the new way of thinking, which is the proper way of thinking if anyone's looking to figure out what that is. Uh, I My coaching uh, has a lot of education in it. So um, when I set up the coaching I have now, which I did start online, but I kind of I learned from clients and what they wanted to know and what we were talking about in check-ins um, and like the pain points, you know. And when I set up my new app and my new kind of coaching model I educate like I have videos that go out to clients weekly without fail educating them on all these kind of pain point topics 
I am at your call to answer questions 24-7 if you have anything. If anything ever comes up in a check-in about any of these pain points, I take the time to speak through it. Like I just believe one-to-one coaching is so much less about here's your program and your macros and so much more about education. Like I need you to come in and take away something for the rest of your life. And if after the three months you are not confident to take that away and be educated enough of how to do it move forward. Like I want to keep you on because there is so much I can teach you. And sometimes I feel like I'm giving people a nutrition course or a PT course, but like, good, like you're paying me. You I ask as much as you can. It has to be about education. And I just think there's so little coaches out there that educate their clients. They just take their money, give them a program, give them their macros and that's it. That's apparently one-to-one coaching. It's not. Everyone is different. Everyone needs educating. And no one is ever going to learn unless a professional helps them and guides them. And that is what they're paying you to do. I could not care less what you look like, what your weight is week on week. What I care about is your mentality and what you've learned this week and it's just worked so well because it's an absolute joy to see I always say to my clients if you've got nothing to check in with me for just write down on paper what you're feeling just get it out on your check-in form and to see the way they start to speak after maybe four weeks and like I've had an off week but I'm feeling like this I'm feeling stronger I don't care it's just uh, sometimes I literally cry in check-ins because I'm like I've helped you think that way and it's so great to see women finally start thinking that way and care less about the weight on the scales. But yeah, education, educate your clients for the love of God. Like stop doing fast things and stop just taking on clients and throwing a program at them that they don't understand. Like put the work in and educate them. Otherwise, what are they paying for? I think that, I think I, I, I agree 100% what you said about kind of educating and actually giving away as much information as possible. And like they are paying you for a service. So you're better to service your client rather than just saying, do this. It's like, it's not a dictatorship. It has to work both ways. I think what you said there about when clients are potentially do not want to do the check-in, they may have had an off week or something's come up or something stressful. I want the kids got sick or whatever it may have been. I want you to do. Yeah. I don't think people realize that there's a reason why we get you. We want you guys to check in on those certain weeks is because you're probably going to learn more about yourself around your triggers on those weeks and the weeks that you're feeling amazing. How did you do this week? Great. Any problems? No, I'm like, I read through the tech and I'm like, literally have nothing to say to you like everything seems and then then there's the ones who are saying, oh, you're going to be so disappointed, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. This is the this is the check-in we need. In no way am I going to be disappointed. And that's when you can educate them because they're obviously feeling shit. Yeah. Like we want you to tell us this stuff. But I think it's a huge thing is like you're not, when when clients gonna say, I don't want to disappoint you, I don't want to let you down, you're not gonna let us down. That's the biggest thing. It's not about us, it's about how we can help you and serve you. That's what the journey is about. It's not about us, it's about getting the most out of the experience you have with that coach. But you also have to be, what would you look for? Or what would you advise someone who's looking for a coach? What were the two or three main qualities you would say to kind of look for? In a coach? I mean, it depends where you're getting them from. Um, If you're getting them, if you're finding people on Instagram that you follow, you have to have gained some value from them first. 
if you're just going for someone who's an influencer and takes selfies and never posts anything of any value, how do you know how much they know? Like you're you're going in completely blind. Anyone who promises for you to look a certain way or to weigh a certain way as well is a massive red, red flag. That was a huge thing for a while. And I think I did it at the beginning, like mortifyingly. I'm sure I did say I can help you lose two kilograms. Anything that puts a number to your goal or like a spe- yeah, specific weight loss goal it's a huge red flag because everyone is different. How does that coach know he's going to help you lose 10 kilograms? And how does he know he's going to do it in X time frame? He doesn't. He's just going to do it. He's going to make you have unhealthy habits. So he, you get to where he wants you to be, he or she wants you to be for their own testimonial. Like it's a selfish ploy. Um, I... Uh, I personally, and I, I've got so many people say it's such a waste of my time and I will never think it's a waste of my time. I get every single person on the phone before I start because there are some people I maybe don't want to work with and there are some people that I know it's maybe not for them. If if you come on and you automatically say, I want to get in shape for my holiday in June, sure, I can help you, but you're not really the clients that are going to benefit from my coaching. Um. So I think people that take on anyone and everyone and don't have a niche as well, like just be careful of them because they that I, I just think it's a money making. If you don't care what kind of client you're helping, you're going to help anyone and you're going to make these same promises to every single client you take on by money making in my eyes. It's not about the client. It's about how many clients you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is, I think that is a massive thing in the industry from, I remember being on the gym floor and even I met one of the guys I used to work with there, um, in the, the new gym. He's, and he's kind of like, oh, how many clients have you got? It's the first question. It's not even hello. It's like, how many clients do you have? It's like, it doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't matter. There's no impact on that person. And that's not about how many clients I have. It's how many people are actually getting the value. How many people are actually getting what they've signed up for. You can have 50 people bums on seats and 49 of them getting no results. That's not a business. I also, That's like, I shouldn't say it, but I also get put off when I just get messages in my DMs of how much is coaching. Yeah. Because to me, that person, if I really wanted to invest in my business, right, and I knew I needed a business mentor, and I reached out to a good business mentor that's had good reviews, good results. And my first question was, yeah, but how much is it? I'm not invested in my business. I'm invested in can, like, can I part, do I want to part with this money? You would spend X amount on a holiday and not even question it. So the or nights out. Or nights out. And I get it's different, like, sure. But at the ultimate, at the end of the day, it's not the cost, it's, it's the priority. And sure, if it's not a priority, and I automatically know that those people, that that's the first question they ask, it's just not your priority. I understand people can't afford things, but if you if you want to afford a holiday, you fucking afford a holiday. Like, I've seen it a million times. Yeah, and I think I think the, I have an episode coming out on this about kind of like the, bar- the mental barriers to investing in yourself. And one of the biggest things I kind of say on it um, is it's the fact that you actually have to put the effort into something consistently rather than going, right, here's a thousand pounds for a holiday or here's 150 euro for a night out four times a week. 
that's like that's 600 quid like it if that's your values and aligns with your values amazing but if it doesn't align with your values and you're doing it to please other people and not looking after your health and that's what's annoying you and that's what's deep down inside like not helping you that 600 quid or that 200 quid or 30 quid or 50 quid or 100 quid whatever the price for for coaching is for whoever it is that could be put somewhere else um and i think that's the biggest thing I see is like the fear of actually investing in themselves is the belief one that they can do it, belief that they can actually succeed and the, yeah, the, the, the fear that they've realized they actually have to put consistent effort into yeah. it. Yeah, it is. It's the belief. It's like, what if I felt I've spent this money and what if I felt, what if you spend five and a pound a bag and you lose it, you know, <laughs> like it's because you can't see what you're getting. You're not paying for something and getting it. Like, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it is. It, yeah, I do think a lot of it is that oh, now's not the right time. I don't know if I'll stick to it. It's like, well, don't sign up then. Like, if if that's genuinely, if you're not making it a priority, it's literally my job to help you. But if you cannot see the value in it, then it's just not the right time for you. And a lot of the conversations I have with people who say that are back. They come back six months but, down the line. They're back. But and they appreciate the honesty for not taking. The money there and there that's probably why it stands to you long term mm. you're not thinking of the the bank balance going up immediately you're thinking of i want to have a business six months a year five ten years down the line you're not looking for that quick fix of what people are doing with their diets you're looking for that consistent effort mm. and it comes back to the whole circle of the consistency and not the quick fix realistically yeah and even when people say that, is there anything you can do on price? Can you knock some off? I'm like, yeah, I had that last night. I, sometimes it's really hard, but it kind of just hits that point where it's like it, you prove to yourself that you're not in it for the money because you're like, no, because I know how much value I give my clients and I know how much they've really pushed to be able to afford this coaching. Like they've made sacrifices to be able to afford this coaching. And if I just start knocking off prices for different people and you're getting the same level, then like, no. And it's, it is really hard to say no. When you see someone struggling, like, look, this is what I can afford. And to have to turn that down, knowing you can probably help them in a way. But I would, I have, you have to draw the line somewhere and know that your current clients have come in and they have invested. And so why should they get it for one price and this person get it for another price? Like there is... There is a price. I be, I'm, I actually think I'm cheap for what I offer, but a lot of people would say I'm expensive. Um, but you've just got to see the value in it, yeah. It is, it is the value thing. But I think you can't really put a deal on your health. Um, if someone's struggling with not managing, say, their thyroid, for instance, or not managing their PCOS, and you've been struggling for a long time, you can't really – you pay – uh, like you pay, you go to see a consultant in a private hospital for like 120 quid for a five minute checkup, What's and you don't go- like therapy. Like, if you want your mindset in a better place, people pay for therapy. Like, yeah. I generally, not cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap. I've I've done it, and it's not. Yeah, it's not cheap, but it's the best thing I ever did because it changed yeah. everything moving forward. Everything. Like I would not be where I would be today if it wasn't for therapy, you know, and it brings out things that you didn't even know was the issue. And it's the same with coaching. Like you may not know the issue was you've been on too low calories. So you might come into it thinking one thing and coming out 
learning a completely different thing. And that in itself is value because that's stuck with you for the rest of your life then. Yeah. Like, it's about understanding, getting someone to understand their behaviors, asking them questions and making them think and realize rather than going, no, you're a people pleaser. No, you're this. No, you're this. No, you're this. Mm. Actually, those labels are what they've attached themselves for, for their lives, probably. And that's probably those stories that are holding them back. But it's actually making them realize, well, why are you doing this? Because X, Y, and Z, or parents did X, Y, and Z, or there could have been trauma, there could have been grief, there could have been something else along the line saying, now, hang on, this is why you're doing it. It's actually not your fault. You've just been never taught how to actually deal with your emotions. Have you ever had open conversations? Like you've spoken there about therapy, like having those open conversations, it's almost like a proverbial weight comes off your shoulders and allows you to actually go in the direction you want to go in the life, the way you want it to go, rather than having this like boulder, trying to push a boulder up a hill and then expecting it not to roll down on you mm. all the time. Um, one of the big, there was a question on your Q&A on the weekend, I think when I sent you over the questions, I think it was on Friday when I sent you over the questions, was why you shouldn't base, when you sh- why you shouldn't base your, your journey on the amount of calories that someone else is on. Um, I think it's, it's more common than you think when you get asked how many calories someone is on. How do you deal with that question? And what? how do you kind of like... Deal's not the word. I hate doing questions. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I come across too blunt and I don't want to come across rude. Like I've offered to answer your questions. But I wouldn't say it's rude. I would say it's fairly forthright with the information. You just need to be in a position to read it stop aspiring to copy someone like just stop like everyone is so different like why do you want to eat the same thing someone else wants to eat why do you want the same calories as me why do you want my training program might not work for you like I, I don't know if you know my one of my good friends Anna she's another coach I go to the gym with could not think of anything worse than having her macros and her eating like it just wouldn't suit my life I, I am so much more flexible I have a much more relaxed approach like oh are, do we both train fucking hard and do we both are we strict yeah she's another level compared to me it, it works for her amazingly because she wants to do that what works for her I would never like no, wouldn't work for me because I know I wouldn't stick to it. Like everyone, why do you want to copy someone else? Like everyone has different time. Everyone has different goals. Everyone has different motivation. Everyone has a different fucking appetite. Everyone has a different lifestyle. Some people have kids. Some people don't. Some people are nurses and work night shifts. Some people don't. So why are you trying to put yourself in a box and be think you're going to achieve what? someone whose job it is to work out can like and it is hard because I'm the one who puts myself out there and be like look at me my body but I also like to think I'm quite transparent of I do focus on my shit and it's my job but I'm I understand that you other people might not have that time like I couldn't walk into a hospital and be a nurse because like it's not my job Stop trying to copy influencers and people whose job it is online and copy what they're doing to a T because what works for them isn't going to work for you, which is literally their job. What are your thoughts on what I eat in the day posts? 
don't want to slight anyone. You don't have to mention names, please. There's a new thing come out, which I now I've seen people jump on the bandwagon of, and it is quite true. Why are you showing your body at the beginning of them? Yeah, that's a big thing. Like I know Amelia Thompson talks about an awful lot. And now everyone's talking about it, but I'm like, no, it's a good point. It's a valid point. Um, Do you know what? People want to see them. I don't fucking understand why. I don't know why you want to see that. Get a recipe book. I don't get it, right? It's a, it's a thing, it's the same thing of you want to aspire to be your favorite influence and you want to look like that and you think by eating theirs. But there is a good side to them because I think it can show you what you can have for 1,800 calories. And so well, we're consistent effort on genetics. And... But the people that watch it aren't in that mindset to understand that. I'm watching this and being like, oh, she's had she's had a good whack for 1,800. How's she done that? But they're watching it as, okay, she's on 1,800. I need to be on 1,800. Yeah. Like, like, give me that. They're, they're reaching for something. Yeah. But, and they haven't realized a lot of things could have been done to potential photos as well. They don't know genetics. They don't know what their meal timings are. They don't know if they're actually having 1,800 calories. They don't know what's outside of those foods, if anything. Yeah, that, that and I now love the fact that I do only videos because if anyone ever dares accuse me of Photoshop of says like it's posing, I'm like, literally, there is nowhere to hide when you have a camera shoved at you from every angle. Like, like I don't care if my cellulite showing or if my shorts are riding up or anything like that. Like, just show something real. Like, stop just posting. 1,700 calories and then you posting in tiny underwear because I just think, I don't know, each to their own, but we wonder why people are in this mental state and it's the, the internet is why, but the internet is always going to be there now. How do we get out of it though? Or do we get out of it or do we adapt? I I find it hard to relate because I'm I I I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but I genuinely think I've had one of the best upbringings ever. In the aesthetics and the way I look, has just never there's never been a pressure ever. So I've never grown. I've never had that thing of feeling very insecure of how I look. I've obviously, honestly, it was one of the reasons I became BT. I kept seeing these girls' booties doing squats, and I was like, I want that ass. Like, it was genuinely a driving force. But I never felt so shit in my own self that I'd copy everything they do. So it, I, I do find it hard. I think if you're if you're raising a girl now in this day and age, like, I do think there's so much more responsibility on parents and I don't know how I'd do it. I don't know how I'd cope when I am a mother, but there is so much out there that is going to affect them mentally. And I just don't think it will ever stop. No matter how many of us good coaches come out the woodwork to try and educate, it's never going to stop. Photoshop is never going to stop. There are so many now good ambassadors for body image, but the airbrushing is always going to take over. And TikTok now, mental. Like... I on I honestly don't have an answer for you. I don't know how we can. We, I just think it's a, it's if you're in this industry, it's your obligation to spread a good message and to try and help as many people as you can. Um, but I don't think it's 
I don't think we're ever going to stop the bad ones. I think it's always going to be out there. And that's a shame. I don't know how we can manage it. Honestly, that's. I had to, I had someone on the podcast and they were talking about that there's a minister for mental health in the UK. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. You are wrong. There's a minister for mental health in the UK. I think it's Dr. Alex George. Alex, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was only going into the position or the position had just been created when quite recent, maybe. Yeah. So, but they were they were talking about making if you edited your photo, it had to have a watermark on it. Did that come through? No, not that I know of. I didn't think of I it, it didn't sound like it was I, I just didn't know how there was gonna be policed. I think that's a smart idea. I just don't know how it's gonna be policed. Yeah. Unless they have this pixelated thing on it. Like I'm not IT. It's so I, like, I did. And maybe in the future stuff like that will come out. But then I also think there'll be another app that lets you do it. Like yeah. there's always going to be something. If Instagram brings in something like that, someone will jump on it and be like, I know what influencers want somewhere they can post their edited photos. So unless they made it something universal, you could never do it. Unfortunately, I, I don't have an answer for you. It's it's shit. One thing I don't like, though, is the posts on this is how people pose to get right. This is what I say all the time. This is how you pose. This is how influencers pose to make their booty pop. Or this is how influencers pose to make themselves look thinner. Or they pull their pants up. I... I literally say this to my friends all the time. I'm sorry. If you have a camera pointed at you, you pose. Don't fucking act like you do this. Don't act like you do that. Everyone poses. And also, if I ever said that to my mum, she'd be like, of course she's fucking posing. No one looks like that. I just think, I, I just, I generally feel like I, it's common sense. And a lot of, I, I, I've said this before in my stories. It is your obligation to get common sense about what you see online. It is no one else's job to teach you about that. Have some common fucking sense. Of course they're posing because they've got 1 million followers and they're doing a, they're taking a photo. Next time a camera points at you and you're posting it to a million followers, I'd love to see you not posing. If they've edited it, yeah, completely different ball game. But if this is just someone making fun of someone for posing and making their body look a great shape, so be it. Like they're they're just posing for a photo, and I think it is. I think people depend on people online now to teach them these things. It's like I do think there is a loss of common sense from a lot of people, and I might get slated for saying that, but. I do think it's your obligation to educate yourself on these things as well. Where does that start though? Listening to people online. Where does the education start though? And that's where you got me, you see. I don't. don't. So that's the, that's the issue. Cause if we're, if we're talking about learning from our parents, my parents haven't got a clue what TikTok or Instagram. My mom has a Nokia 3210 or something equivalent with no internet know nothing and happiest go lucky woman I've ever met in my life oblivious to what's going on and doesn't get these sky news updates with like Ukraine and Russia or any of that kind of stuff stays away from all that stuff and happy go lucky 
because we have everything in our hand it's creating an adverse reaction to our mental health and it's it's up to us to create the stories we want to see the grids that we want to see the tiktoks we want to see i mean about it's your obligation like it's up to you who you follow and if something is genuinely impacting your mental health though there is an when you're caught it i've i've yeah, been there i know when you're caught in it when yeah. you're caught in it it's you can't see out of it it's unless someone literally slaps you over the head with a frying pan i don't advise that but mm-hmm. it's when you're in when you're there you can't it's very hard to get out because you've got blinkers on and you don't want to see or you don't want to hear anything else it's very and hard to you say you want to bring children into the world because i'm like if this is what it's like now what's it going to be like in 20 years like people are struggling more and more and more with it and it makes me fear for like if i ever have children yeah like Like i i wouldn't like to be growing up right now no it actually would scare me I, i i'm very grateful for the and maybe that's why i have the attitude today of the common sense because we i grew up where internet came in when i was what in secondary school we didn't have like google wasn't the one we used we had like all the different ones and it was just coming out like proper internet Napster on the guys um, like people will post their dinner for their instagram like so we saw that crossover so by the time it came out i'm kind of like well yeah it is a lot of editing and it is a lot of fakery because i've seen it grow but yeah for the people that didn't it's it's shit yeah, it's very, it's very hard to get out of that loophole when you're in it. And I think there's probably a responsibility somewhere along the line of an age entry onto social media or a digital passport or parents. I know it's very difficult to do because kids will feel like they're missing out, but some sort of responsibility of like, if there's a digital passport saying kids can't go on after a certain time or whatever, maybe you can see it with social bullying. Like I, I know someone in particular that got badly bullied when as a teenager through the likes of um, social media. And it's, it, it's, it's not pretty. And it's, I think people realize I need to realize that there are services out there in the UK and Ireland and elsewhere. If anyone's listening, because I know there's people in New Zealand and Australia and stuff like that, that live, listen to this. Um, but I think it's it's hugely important that knowing that there are services out there. And if someone is getting triggered by something, you need to look at why it's triggering you and know that there is someone you can go and talk to because you're not alone. Someone else is getting triggered by something elsewhere. And I think what Harriet has said along the whole process, whether it's has said it or an online tone is fitness people have a responsibility with the content they're putting out. I think they're getting better. I do think it's getting better, but it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell authenticity. My algorithm. Them. that's what i'm getting you could be getting a completely different algorithm i like young people could be getting a completely different algorithm to what i'm getting so what i'm seeing is yeah like things are slightly improving in some areas of social media to a 20 year old who follows a lot of like influencers makeup pages like god knows the kind of stuff they're seeing because instagram then feeds you similar things to that and it's a never-ending fucking explore page of photos you can edit your explore page that's the greatest thing like if you look at mine it's like puppies and football like <laughs> you can edit your explore page and so you? when you get when you want those grades you can do it so that's all you see so there is a way if someone says this right now and your explore page is triggering you and you already got you already seen is right. with quads and lads of six packs or whatever it may be 
edit your export page google it how to edit your export page on instagram and genuinely that was triggering stop triggering you yeah and i yeah i know it's blunt but saying it has to be your responsibility no one's gonna do that for you you can't we can't depend on the government to do this because nothing's fucking happening they're not doing anything like a lot of great influencers are a lot of great fitness influencers and fitness coaches are trying but ultimately it has to be you that recognizes your triggers and know when to not look at them but trolling is a whole other story like online bullying is a whole other story you can't i've only ever had it once you can't i get it Oh my god, my TikTok's disgusting. Savage. I've only ever had it once. I was uh, called a prepubescent thirteen-year-old boy. I was called um, Donald Trump. She looks like Donald Trump, and they said nice ass. But what happened to her face? A few times I got that. They're savage on TikTok, but luckily I'm a thirty-three-year-old woman that can take it. But I, yeah, I remember it getting so bad, and I went viral on Christmas Day, and my housemate was like, "This is in lockdown when we had like Christmas in the house. So I was with them." She was like, turn them off. Like, are you not getting affected by this? Like, these are horrible. She was like scrolling on my phone. She was like, these are horrible. And I was like, no, because it's probably a 12-year-old boy. Like, it really doesn't bother me if he thinks I look like Donald Trump or if he thinks I'm an old lady. Like, but if I was younger, yeah, it would absolutely savage on TikTok. TikTok needs more for cyberbullying than Instagram, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think they all do at this age. I think Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I don't even know, whatever. It's, I'm too old for that shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I think like this episode went down a different route. I, I, I warned you. I was like, this is going to go off on tangents. Um, so, Harriet, where can people... Thing I'm least experienced in, which is like cyberbullying. Yeah, exactly. Um so Harry, where can people find out about yourself? Where can people find out about your coaching and where can people apply for the coaching? I have a website. I have an email list. I have Instagram. Uh my Instagram's Harry Harper underscore fitness. Is that my Instagram? God knows. Harry Harper underscore fitness. Had to have the fitness in there, otherwise you're not qualified. Um there is a link always in my bio for one-to-one coaching. Um, however, I don't speak about it too much because when, as soon as I put out my inquiries on my stories, it gets very full very quickly. Um, but I'm always looking for um, – I only work with women. Um, so I'm always looking for amazing women to help. And literally what we speak about, if anything, if any – thing resonates of anyone listening to this and being like i want to have that attitude why can't i have that attitude around food or like if they've heard anything in this episode like reach out because even like an inquiry phone call of me telling you how i can help you might help you there are so many women even on the inquiry phone calls i help explain things to them and they might not sign up but i don't know from that conversation they may have learned something so yeah i do take on women but it's getting very full um you can inquire through my website. You can inquire through Instagram. Um, yeah. Perfect, guys. I'll put in the links if you want to work with Harriet. Harriet, thank you so much for that. Very no nonsense. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank okay. you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.